Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Unfortunately, we start today's show with heavy hearts, and we start today's show on a very down note. And I'm not going to lie to you guys and tell you that I knew Anthony Causey because I did not. But I know people who did. Zach Braziller, Mike Vaccaro, Bruce Beck, and the outpouring of well-wishes, emotion, and just overwhelming sadness in the passing of Anthony, 48 years old, due to everything that happened here with COVID-19, it puts a knot in your stomach. Puts an absolute knot in your stomach. And for those of you who do not know who Anthony Cossie is, you should. And it's amazing. I read Mike Vaccaro's story, and I feel like I know the guy. I feel like I've known him my entire life. And that's when you know you're dealing with a great, great writer. I read that column. I mean, now bring a tear to your eye. A guy who was a part of the New York fabric from a sports standpoint every which way. One of the lead photographers for the New York Post. A guy who is responsible in many ways for some of the iconic shots that we've seen over the last 15 to 20 years. I mean, some of the photos he took are just off the charts. If it's Eli Manning with his daughters after his final game against the Miami Dolphins. If it was a picture from 2015 when the Mets went on and went to the World Series. Um, there's this unbelievable photo he took of Mariano Rivera running out of the gates of the old Yankee Stadium. I mean, it doesn't get more iconic than that. And you talk to anybody who knew Anthony. Loved life. Loved sports. Loved helping people out. And it kind of puts into perspective not only everything that we have going on, but it puts into perspective how severe and how dangerous this disease is. And this virus, which is sweeping our city, it is sweeping our nation. We hope that better days are ahead, but when you lose somebody who's under the age of 50 with a wife and two kids, when he's doing games as of a couple weeks ago, no, that doesn't sit well with you. It just doesn't sit well. So obviously we knew that Anthony was not doing great over the last few weeks going into the hospital and whatnot, but... Thoughts and prayers with his family. And based upon the outpouring 
of condolences and based upon the outpouring of tributes from people within the business who didn't know Anthony. Tells you what kind of guy he is. When you see tweets from guys like Didier Gregorius and Curtis Granderson, two guys who are, by the way, the definition of first class. Those guys get it. Those guys understand what goes on, that bond that you have between somebody who's taking photos for you, somebody who's with you almost every step of the way, and that little banter, those little BS interactions that may not mean much. Clearly, Anthony left a presence in their lives and many other lives. So thoughts and prayers with his family. I know that the Post community is hurting right now. So Anthony Causey leaves us at the age of 48. That's very, very tough to take. Now, in honor of Anthony, in honor of anybody right now who's dealing with this virus, we move in a direction where we try to lighten it up a little bit because that's what we do best. That is what I do, and quite frankly, is what I need. I've told you guys this over and over again. So we'll have P.J. Carlissimo in about an hour or two. You want to talk about a guy who's got stories for you from a basketball standpoint. I mean, P.J., from his days of coaching Seton Hall, taking him to the national championship game, P.J. coaching in the NBA, P.J. working on Greg Popovich's staff, and then becoming this terrific, terrific analyst. I mean, he's a guy that should be one of the lead analysts doing games. He's that good at his job. Just the basketball acumen, the IQ, everything, it oozes. It's off the charts. So, very fired up that he'll be joining us in a little bit. But for today's topic, what I wanted to look at, There are many teams that bring you that ultimate form of joy. There are many teams that in our lives, in some capacity, have brought us a championship, you would hope. Whether it's Yankee titles, maybe for some of you it's the 86 Mets, maybe for some of you it's the Mets, the Jets, and the Knicks in 1969. Maybe it's the Giant fan with the two recent titles, and it's amazing. I was re-watching earlier in the day the Super Bowl 42 performance. I'll tell you, Bill Belichick was a lot younger in that game. Wearing that red sweatshirt. Maybe that was the voodoo. Maybe that was the mush. Maybe that's why the Giants found a way to win that game. When do you see Belichick wearing a red hoodie? Something was off from the get-go in that game. But the unbelievable effort out of the Giant defense, David Tyree, Eli Manning, Plaxico Burris, you name it. But there are many teams that fit that description. Right, Many teams that are top of the heap, remembered forever, champions. But we know, if you watch sports, there are plenty of teams that give us great joy, that give us, you know, tons of laughs, tons of cheers, tons of reasons to feel good, and yet they don't go and win a championship. There are plenty. There are plenty. So what I want to do today, and I hope you guys help out, and I think this will be a fun little exercise, is to go through teams in your lifetime. Maybe it's a team you root for. Maybe it's a team you casually follow and you got in on them. But teams that didn't win a championship but will forever hold that place near and dear in your heart. So what I want to do today is... Not exactly pay tribute to the honorable mentions. I I don't think it's fair for a team that wins a pennant, for a team that wins a division, to say all the definition of honorable mention. But they didn't win a championship. 
So any championship teams, 86 Giants, throw them out. 96 Yankees, throw them out. 86 Mets, throw them out. Find me that team that didn't win a championship that you just really, really enjoyed. Maybe it's a team in the middle of an innocent climb. Maybe it's a team that got all the way to a World Series or all the way to a Super Bowl. Who knows? Maybe it's a team that didn't even make the playoffs. So when I was thinking about teams in my lifetime, teams that I rooted for as a sports fan that kind of fit this description, I wanted to give you four. And that's exactly what I did. I gave you four teams, and I'm going to rattle through a couple of them right now, of my favorite teams, teams that are near and dear in my heart, but they don't win the ultimate prize. I'm going to start first with an era of basketball that I think for many here in the New York City area is remembered quite fondly. And it's remembered quite fondly even though the Knickerbockers did not win an NBA championship. At the time, you knew you were dealing with a team that was not going to do it consistently. You also knew you were dealing with a team that couldn't get over the hump. That's why I'm not going to throw the 94 season in here. Because as enjoyable as it was, losing the Rockets made you sick. 93, when the Knicks are winning 60-plus games and they get knocked off in four straight by the Chicago Bulls, a lot of those good feelings, at least for me, go completely out the window. The team that fits this description, for my money, the 1999 New York Knickerbockers. Because with the injuries to Patrick Ewing, with everything going on with the Knicks in a shortened season, they barely get into the playoffs. You're going up against Miami in the first round where you have no idea what you're going to expect. And Ewing is clearly not right. He starts off that postseason playing, but as we know, by the end of it, he couldn't get it out there. He couldn't give it a go. That 99 Nick team kind of exceeded every expectation I had for them and then some. And it started in that Miami series. It's a rock'em, sock'em, best of five, coming down to the wire, coming down to the end. Alonzo Mourning, Tim Hardaway, Jamal Mashburn, all making big plays for Miami. And yet Allen Houston, with one of the more stressful, yet exhilarating shots in the history of the Knicks franchise, Around the rim, bouncing a couple of different times, going in the basket. Winning that game, winning that series, and springboarding a feel-good ride that was incredible. Absolutely, positively incredible. The next series was against the Atlanta Hawks. You remember in that Atlanta series, there were rumors flying, circulating about Phil Jackson potentially coming. And taking the Knicks out. Knicks going sweep four straight games. And you got the Gordon crowd going crazy. Chanting Jeff Van Gundy in games three and in game four. Going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then, of course, Reggie Miller and the Indiana Pacers stood there in the way. And that particular Indiana team looked like they were poised to go to an NBA Finals. Remember, at that point, Indiana had never been in the Finals. They had lost a very, very tough. Seven-game series to Michael and the Bulls in Jordan's last ride in 1998. Remember, Indiana had a lead in that game. They had a lead in the fourth quarter in that game. They didn't find a way to get it done. So 
they basically thought they were, you know, on a coronation and getting to the finals. And when Patrick Ewing goes down and you see on the other side of the court, Rick Smiths, the Davis boys, Dale and Antonio Davis, you're like, geez, how in the world are the Knicks going to match up with this team with no size? I mean, it's just a totally different NBA than what you're dealing with right now. But that 99 Knicks team found a way against Indiana. And of course, the two moments you think of in that postseason run, the first for me is the Houston shot. The second one, of course, is the Larry Johnson four-point play. And you still can't believe he got fouled. He's got to actually knock down the foul shot. They get a stop to end the game, which I think a lot of people forget. And it was just the definition of pandemonium. Pandemonium at Madison Square Garden. Because they split the first two games, but Ewing was out going into game three and was out for the remainder of the series. That was when the Knicks were will by Houston, Sprewell, Camby. Those three guys were instrumental, instrumental in getting Knicks all the way to the top of the Eastern Conference. And when they won that game six at home, and Allen Houston had an unbelievable game. I'll never forget it. Unbelievable effort. It almost felt like that night the Knicks had won because you knew what was coming. Unless you were delusional, unless you know we're just sipping all sorts of orange and blue Kool-Aid, you know what was staring you in the face. You saw what San Antonio was able to do in the Western Conference. You saw the brilliance of Tim Duncan and David Robinson. And the Knicks were no match for that team. They fought their tails off. They gave you a great effort. They were right there in games four and five. They couldn't find a way to get it done. They weren't beating that team. They didn't have the horses. They didn't have the guns to be able to compete with two players like that. But that was a team in which you sat back like I did. Observing, looking at them from afar. And they squeezed every last ounce out of the talent they had. And for me, in like trying to analyze this fairly, objectively, you name it, to do this exercise of trying to find your favorite teams that didn't win you a championship, you got to feel like they left it all on the line. They left it all on the line. They gave you everything they had, and they lost to a better team. See, it's always going to be tough to put one of these teams in a category when you feel like they didn't lose to the better team. When that happens, you're feeling that sense of unfulfillment. I didn't get that with the 99 Knicks. You might have gotten in 94. You might have felt that way in 93. There's no way you felt that way in 99. Spurs were better. Now, I'm going to give you four teams, but I'm going to give you one more before we hit a break and we get to your calls. This team, I can tell you right now, is not going to be like the 99 Knicks, near and dear in the hearts of folks within the tri-state area. And I'm sure the minute I mention this team, Mike Fliegelman back in the studios is going to be like cringing or maybe he's using language that, you know, I can't use on the air to describe what I'm about to say. But hey, at the end of the day, we got to do what we got to do. One of those teams that fits this description in my eyes, the 2008 Miami Dolphins. And remember, for me, the Dolphins the year prior were the laughing stock of the league. They went 1-15, and But let's be honest, they should have gone 0-16. They went into the offseason, blowing it up. You remember, they brought in Bill Parcells to run the operation. They brought in Tony Sperano, the late, great Tony Sperano, to be the head coach. And 
I figured they were going to be an awful team again. I was like, wow, they win five or six games. You know, you're coming from basically an 0-16 or 1-15 year. There's no way to go but up. That year, though, everything kind of changed. And Jeff fans know it well. The minute Miami was able to get Chad Pennington. Because the Dolphins going into the year were probably going to give Josh McCown a chance to be the starter. The Jets make the play for Brett Favre. All of a sudden, Chad Pennington becomes available, and the Dolphins wisely bring him in. Chad Pennington put together for me one of the more feel-good and one of the more out-of-nowhere seasons that I've ever experienced as a fan. That Dolphin team got off to a terrible start at 0-2. Lost to the Jets, got smoked by Arizona the second week of the year. But then they went up to New England, and I know you guys remember this game well. They had this funky, wacky formation with Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams, and all of a sudden they're running a wildcat. And I was like, wow, that's a hell of a win. But there was no Tom Brady. The Patriots are still the Patriots. And the Jets at that point looked like they were going to be a team with Brett Favre that I thought was easily going to win the division. They were 8-3 and three on the air. Even then, I was like, I hope the Dolphins can find their way as a wild card. We know what happened, though. Brett Favre got hurt. The Jets slumped down the stretch, and it felt like every game. And I remember it well because I'm doing radio in the same kind of setting that I'm doing it right now when I used to do my college radio show, and I had great people working for me. Alex Silverman, who's now um, in Philadelphia, running a bunch of radio stations. Mike Cousins, who you see on ESPN all the time, they ran a radio station. They actually ran a board for me as I did the show. So I can never... Thank those guys enough for allowing me, like in December, to you know keep on keeping on with what we do. But I'm doing shows, and every week, you're on the edge of your seat with the Dolphins. And can they do the unthinkable? They went into Giant Stadium. I'll never forget being in the building that day, seeing the Patriots won. And I said, this is going to be so apropos. The Patriots are going to win, and then the Jets are going to break my heart and beat the Dolphins, and everybody's going to be miserable. And nobody's going to make the playoffs, and the Patriots are going to be, you know, up to their usual tricks. But what I got that day is a moment that will not sit well with many Jet fans. What I got, though, was a division title. The last one I've witnessed as a fan, sitting in the corner of the end zone upstairs, then going down behind the benches, the Dolphins are going crazy. End of that game, you know, you would think I'd be scared, you know what, leaving the building. It was all Dolphin fans at that point. And to see a team go from 1-15 to 11-5 in a division title, I didn't care that they got smoked by Baltimore. And they were thoroughly outclassed. The Raven defense with Lewis and Reed and Scott, I mean, they were terrific. Talked to Bart about that all the time. They had absolutely no chance in that game. But that is the season I look back on now. And maybe it's because New England has been so dominant. And maybe it's due to the fact that I've only seen two playoff games since 2008. Let that sink in. Every eight years. So basically, you know, I see a playoff game at the end of a two-term president. So I saw a playoff game at the end of Bush's presidency. I saw a playoff game at the end of Obama's presidency. I guess that's the way it goes, right? That's the only way I'm going to get a playoff game. I I hope that comes to an end soon. But that moment for me, regardless of what happened in the playoffs, one of the most fun seasons I've ever had. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.